it blew my mind that I can have all my businesses in a trust, which then also protects the businesses from creditors and from lawsuits and some of those other things. That's not just Daniel Dixon running everything. Here's we have LLCs that do the things and so on. We have everything encapsulated in this entity that protects as we continue to grow and expand. Welcome back to the Color Money Podcast. Today's a, a great episode. I have a friend, a coach, another balded and bearded man on the podcast with us, Mr. Mark Durth. Now, I was connected with Mark through my coach and, my coach and mentor, Brett Tanner, um, probably, Mark, what, two years ago, two and a half years ago? Something Correct. like that. And it was all yeah. built around estate planning, trusts, things that honestly I knew absolutely nothing about. Now, Mark has spent his entire life helping people. His law practice is always focused on complex planning and maximizing the peace of mind through tax savings. So Mark is a founding partner of Dearth Law, and he is the person that we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about the things that I would argue I didn't, I had no idea. And I think that a lot of people out there, specifically people inside of our community, have no idea what a trust is or why set up a trust or how you set up a trust or any of those additional things. And so I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation because if you work your entire lifetime to build up this empire and you don't have the proper protections in place, then as we pass this thing off or as you get sued or as this craziness in life happens, you can it can all go away if we don't have the proper protections in place. So Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'm excited to have this conversation. Thank you guys for having me. Looking forward to it. All right, Emmerich. So I know we were talking about offline a little bit. Emmerich said, Mark, I need to get on your calendar. Um, I want one of these appointments. And so I want to bring back what we were talking about originally about being 43 versus 45 and the importance of insurances and some of those differences. Emmerich, if you could say what you said, and then Mark, I want to have that conversation with you on what the difference is with those different those different age ranges and why it's important to get these insurances and, and start this asset protection stuff early. Well, I, I figured it out actually by accident. Because I got my pol- I got my my first big policy right before I turned forty five, and then I went to update the policy at fifty, and I almost fell out of my seat. Uh oh, I almost fell out of my seat because um, the thing that happened it was just crazy with the difference in the cost, and I, I was like, more people need to have to learn this before they get to my stage in life, and that it was just huge. It's, it's mind altering just the difference. Now, Mark, if you could talk a little bit with us about what is, when we think about all the things your firm does, I know your firm does everything, like like literally everything, but when we talk about trust, estate planning, and asset protection, let's start with asset protection. What is What are the different vehicles or what are the different ways that we use um, asset protection? Why is it important? Why do people need to pay attention and put these things in place right now before it's too late? Well, and I think... Yeah, you know, the old saying it was one um, that I love to talk about is, you know, best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. Um, the idea of starting early is generally preferable. I mean, you know, it's, I think it's where most attorneys screw up the process is particularly in the trust and estate spaces. They talk about dying, dying and dying and what happens and everything else. Well, the reality is, is sitting here at, you know, 45, even 50, even 65, like dying is mathematically the least likely thing to happen in the next five years. 
And so we want to be more mindful of the other important planning items, asset protection, privacy, which is separate and distinct in the you know, leading edge of asset protection, tax minimization, um, you know, all the other things that we can do that, that provide meaningful benefits today to have that plan. And it's often, you know, cheaper, easier to administer, whatever else to start earlier rather than later. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, it's so true just in the insurance world, in the, in the health space, in the asset protection thing, everything is easier to start sooner. And to be honest, like I'm, I'm 38 years old and I'm like, I don't need to think about this yet. You do that stuff and you, you set up the empire and the exit later on in life. Like, why do I need to do these things now? Right. Well, I think that's right. I mean, but you know, the, well, you know, the most common, you know, there's always a call to action on planning on people's parts. It could be health scares of family themselves. Otherwise could be lawsuits or whatever else it's, um, you know, it's easy to ignore it and get, um, you know, spend your time on, on more pressing matters until you get punched in the face with something. Um, <laughs> right. And so our approach is, is to say, well, you know, we need to understand everybody should understand how they own what they own. Um, the most mm-hmm. you know, interesting thing to me is, is um, you know, the best relationships and the best things create big, the biggest information gaps. Um, I trust my wife implicitly and I don't know how to log into my bank account. As long as my Amex works, I'm a happy camper and will go about my life. Well, if she's out of town for a month or passes away or whatever, how am I going to learn to do those things? Um, yeah. Know, Making sure that we understand how we access and control our office, our our assets, both in the positive and negative, are something we often just don't think about. You know, and and Daniel, you you said something about, and we had this conversation before you and I about that whole planning. I'm not, I don't think about things that way because it's too yeah. early for. Well, well, here's the deal: when you start thinking about, and this is what I learned. I'm and I'm going to use this simple. If you get if you were to get a universal index life policy at 38, it could technically be paid out by the time you 50. It could be paid up by the time you 50. So that means that you won't have to make another payment at 50 and it's asset protection. If you get it at 50, it's almost twice as much. Now you got to pay it until you're 60 to get it to be on an automatic schedule. So do you start at 38 for half the price and get on an automatic schedule? So by the time you 50, it's a little more settled or do you wait until you get 50, get it settled out by the time you 60 for the same asset protection? It's just, And that's the way well, I, I look at it. I say starting younger because it just puts you in a different mindset. And not only does it put you in a, not only does it set the cycle earlier, it put it puts you in a different mindset earlier to even start thinking about the possibilities of what you can do. And it's a great feeling when you look down and you're 50 and you say, I don't have enough protection of my assets because I've grown my assets far greater than I believed I would. That's a good feeling. That's a big that's a that's a big conversation. I think when we when we when Mark and I first started going through this, this was a like a conversation we had had is the thought of being younger and, and being immortal. And we're not, I'm not going to die tomorrow. Like I'm good. We're good. Like, no, no, no. I got, I got 10 more years at least before we have any health issues. And thinking about how do we, again, start this journey younger 
And I think, Mark, one of the things that you did incredibly well was we sat down and we would spend hour, hour and a half, two hours on the phone walking through the understanding for my wife. Because to your point, as long as your Amex works, you're good to go. But what happens then when the Amex doesn't work? Where do you go first? And that was a lot of what we talked about is understanding that your partner knows, do we have a succession plan that if we do get hit by a bus, we've mapped out and we've outlined inside of our inside of our entities, inside of our world, what your spouse or what your heirs need to do, where they need to go, how they need to do the things. So you know where to go pay the bills so you can still use your Amex card, right? Well, and truthfully, that's my favorite place to start with. Um, you know, the first recommendation I have with clients, not legal advice at all. You know, we need a system and process, be it, you know, mint.com, financial advisors, spreadsheets or whatever, where we keep real time, up to date information about our assets and what they are. So we understand it. And then we have, you know, I love password managers. Um, I use one password. There's other ones as well. But, you know, Jamie and I use it as a um, tool to centralize information. Like I like now I can log into a bank account if I need to still don't want to still don't care, but I know where to go to get to it if I need to. And so the, you know, creating the systems and processes to where um, life operates easier and information is accessible to close those information gaps is, is goal number one of any thoughtful plan. And when we do it, you know, it makes life easier. I don't have to go you know, hunt her down and make sure she's home to find the kids' social security numbers or anything. Now I have a, a resource to find it. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, when you get well-organized and clean systems and processes, it makes, it eliminates the micro frustrations of life. Then it allows more, um, you know, nuanced, thoughtful, complex planning ideas around things to achieve bigger objectives and goals, be it asset protection, privacy, succession planning, or whatever. Well, I think this this really hit home uh, about a year and a half ago. One of one of my really good friends, um, one of our agents, she lost her father, and her father was the everything in the family. Paid the bills, set the plans, invested the money, did everything, and all of a sudden, just like that, he was gone, and so everything fell on her mom. And so she's helping her mom sift through everything, and they don't know where everything lives. They don't know who the CPA is, and they don't know all of these things. And so there's there's sites like Trustworthy that KW Wealth leans into pretty heavy that has that has everything on has everything in one place, and then creating that map to understand what goes where, who's in charge of what, and so on. So I want to switch gears a little bit, Mark. Let's talk about the when you think about asset protection. Um, these are things that again didn't didn't compute to me. I didn't really understand that we want to maintain the control of the asset with none of the liability. Let's go down that path for a minute. What does that mean exactly? And how do we achieve something like that? Well, I, I think it starts with understanding how we own what we own. You know, different categories and types of assets have different rights, responsibilities, and obligations. And so, you know, it's common for somebody to walk in my office and say, well, you know, I've got $5 million of assets. I'm worried about being sued for $5 million. Well, when you, you know, for in a lot of states, retirement accounts are completely asset protected. Life insurance policies are completely asset protected. You know, certainly real estate with large debt on it is protected or some debt on it may be protected. And so, um, you know, really understanding how we own what we own and, and knowing that some categories are more protective than others and, and understanding what our true liability exposure is. 
Um, you know, a lot of liability concerns in life can be can be mitigated and managed through proper insurance coverages. Um, the ones that can't, um, we need to you know craft and build our balance sheet in a way that manages and mitigates those the way we want to. That that's a good point, Mark. And just really quick, I'm, I want to use me as a test dummy. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be the little crash. I'm gonna be the crash test dummy. I have an LLC and there's a commercial and a lot of times we're, we're misinformed about LLCs. A lot of times <laughs> I have an LLC and I have a commercial property that, that owns that LLC. What, you know, what risk is mitigated by having a property owned by LLC? How does that protect you as an individual? Well, it's a, it's a phenomenal question. I mean, and, cause I think it's where, Lawyers say things in a shorthand way that um, probably don't convey the actual protections that is done with that. So everybody says you form an LLC, particularly when buying real estate, to protect yourself from liability. Well, what the liability they're talking about is if I buy a rental property and put it inside of an LLC and somebody falls off the back porch and dies, the claim is against that LLC first and foremost because it is the owner of the property. Um we call that an inside out creditor, a creditor of an asset of the LLC suing that LLC first. Um, generally speaking, they cannot sue you personally unless they have a direct claim against you for that. So it's not that it completely protects you. You know, if Emmerich dug the hole in the backyard that Mark fell into and died, he may be liable for that. Um, the creditor they're not talking about is what is the creditor of Emmerich is the owner of that LLC. What's their ability to get inside of that LLC to satisfy that judgment? Most LLCs, most single member LLCs offer zero asset protection from me suing you trying to get inside of your LLC to get to your commercial property. And so, you know, understanding the actual protections we get as part of that balance sheet is, you know, job is part of that introductory job of, of, triangulating what our true liability is in life. Thank you. That And then I'm, I'm pretty sure some people listening, they weren't aware of that. I know they weren't aware of that because that's the common myth that we, we travel under so much in, in business that an LLC protects you. So anyway, well, Daniel, I want to interject. I want to interject really quick though, because the one thing that we need to make sure that we do when we do buy that commercial property in the LLC and, and Mark helped me understand this as well is the LLC needs to be named on the insurance policy. So back to what you said a few a few minutes ago, Mark, like proper insurances and proper protection is really where it starts through the insurances. And if that insur if that insured policy is just in your individual name and not in the LLC name, and then something happens, you may personally get sued for that because you don't have coverage that you need. So everyone listening, if you own a property that's in an LLC, that LLC needs to be named as a person on the insurance policy. So if you do have an issue, we can try to keep it encapsulated to just that entity and not allow it to exceed that and get into your personal life, personal assets. Now, Mark, when you when you think about that, that whole setup that the Emmerich just talked about, how do we actually move that from an LLC? Um, let's let's go through the process of like if that if that commercial property Emmerich's talking about is owned by an LLC, which is then inside of a trust that's owned by the LLC, like walk through that process on how you would protect that commercial asset, that commercial policy or that commercial asset 
um, and not allow it to escape, how, not allow it to get into the trust. Because suing a trust and getting into the trust and getting money out of it is so much more difficult than just a sole LLC or just an individual property policy and, and such. Does that make sense? Well, sure. I mean, and, and we can probably talk about it in more of a general idea. And, you know, it's active versus passive ownership. Um, there is all, you know, if I, you know, if, if Mark owns a LLC that owns a commercial property and Mark is the one property managing it or whatever else, there is always the concern that even if the primary claim is against the um, owner of the property, there's a secondary claim against the operator. By shifting the ownership to a passive owner versus the active operator, passive owners, you know, when they find a, you know, a mouse in a soda bottle, the shareholders of the soda company don't get um, sued. They are passive shareholders that aren't involved in the active operations. Same thing, you know, planning 101 can be, if Mark is the active operator, put the assets in spouse's name because spouse can get, um, spouse has protections because a creditor of Mark is not a creditor of my spouse. Um, trusts are the more advanced way of doing that, where you're, instead of just taking it off of your balance sheet on your spouse's balance sheet, you take it off of both of your balance sheets and move it over to the, to a different structure. It's really just, and so, and it's not all trusts are created equal would be a great, you know, interjecting point here. I mean, one of the things that we were actually talking about this with a client yesterday, um, you know, we're, they were sold a revocable trust or a living trust by their um, attorney in the Northeast. They thought they had asset protection with that structure. Revocable trusts offer zero asset protection. There is no protection available to that. You need um, irrevocable or inter vivos um, trust created to, to generate that asset protection. And so it's, you know, it's one of the fun things that we get to do is you, you know, you, you chop up what a client has and figure out what the best path for them and their balance sheet to it is. I'm oftentimes, yeah, you know, where, where, you know, skies are blue, but we're being protective for the future. Um, you know, shifting things off balance sheet to spouses or trust do come into play often. And it's a simple, it's a simple thing to understand. Again, the creditors against Daniel are not the creditors against Rocio, who's my wife. It's different. And so by being able to move these things around like that allows that protection to where you want to own, you want to control everything and own nothing. The trust owns everything. And then we have beneficiaries of the trust that make the decisions on behalf of the trust to where Daniel Dixon does not own anything really at all on paper. And listeners, I want you to understand. I kind of get it. And Mark and I have had this conversation probably, what, Mark, six times? I'm like, no, no, just start over again and then walk me through that. Like, this is not a con, this is a very complex concept that I, I always want to know what are the people 10Xing what I'm doing or doing in life? What, what, are the, what does that look like? And what are, they, what are they achieving and how do they protect these things? And then that go, we're not going to get into it today, but that then also goes into um, inheritance tax and how the trust pays and how we can escape some of the tax liability for your heirs in putting everything together. It blew my mind that I can have all my businesses in a trust, which then also protects the businesses from creditors and from lawsuits and some of those other things. That's not just 
Daniel Dixon running everything. Here's we have LLCs that do the things and so on. We have everything encapsulated in this entity that protects as we continue to grow and expand. And back to our conversation earlier about doing it earlier rather than later. Um, can you talk for a minute, Mark, about how how do you get something into a trust? If you take a, if you take these these people's real estate businesses or their flipping businesses or um, some of the properties that they own, when we move that into a trust, how do we do it at the least the least amount of cost versus because the trust has to buy the asset, and if the trust buys the asset early, the value of the asset is lower than if the trust buys the asset at a later date. Right. Well, it's like, I mean, typical lawyer answer in that it depends, right? Um, <laughs> you know, generally speaking, you have to sell or gift an asset into a trust. Um, that sale or gift is done at, you know, is valued at fair market value. And so there are limits on how much you can gift in life. It's currently $12.92 million. I think that's going to be $13.61 million next year with the inflation adjustment. That number is a political football that is, you know, historically jumped around, and there's fear that it drops down to six million dollars per person in 2026. Um, but I mean, as a general proposition, the earlier you do it, the lower the value of the asset is. Right. Now let's switch gears really quick, and as we're as we're getting ready to, to wrap this up, let. Let's talk about the estate. We've talked a little bit about trust and moving things into trust. Let's talk about estate planning. Let's talk about the importance of estate planning and why we need to forward think and why we need to create these. I think one of the powerful conversations we had is, Daniel, if you and your wife die, who's in charge of the estate? Who's making the decisions? How much, how much money do the kids get? Do all the kids get money equally? Let's run through some of those questions that, that we talked about because these were things that A, I never thought about, B, made me sad thinking about, and C, were absolutely had to get answered to make sure that the lineage, the my heirs, our, our, our empire that we're building is protected through and through. So we don't have my, my son or daughter marry some random that then has an ability to come in and take things from the estate. And the simplest answer to that question is if, if we're not thoughtful and, and and breathe life into what our goals and objectives are, we're going to be subject to state law defaults. Those state law defaults are almost, you know, absent a real lucky turn of what our wishes are, are never going to be consistent with what our values and objectives are. And so go, go deeper on that a little bit. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, general proposition is state law defaults are going to be outright distributions to people. Outright distribution distributions just you know turn the money over to whoever the recipient of it is. That doesn't so hold on. So I can I can die, and then the state determines who gets to like run the money and everything. Correct. And different states have wow. different hierarchies and different people of who um, you know who can be in charge and. You know, ultimately, there's no substitute for putting in what Daniel wants in Daniel's plan. And if, you know, doesn't matter that, you know, Mark Durth is number one in priority in whatever state that is. Um, he wants spouse or he wants Emmerich or whoever else running it. Like we want we want you to be the master of your domain and and, and say how you want things, you know, who you want in charge of, of running the playbook that you've put together, who you want stewarding this and shepherding this. Um 
to wherever you want it to go, be it to business partners, be it to charity, be it to your family or be it to others. And, um, you know, thoughtfully do that. I mean, you know, so many plans are, um, you know, the, the most common structure you see in trust is called an ascertainable standard, a health, education, maintenance and support standard. Um, it is nearly ubiquitous in the planning world because its function is to take limited assets and last as long as possible by distributing it out for people's baseline needs. When you add any modicum of wealth in that, that's the term that gives rise to trust fund baby, trust fund mentality, trust afarians. It's a disincentivizing um, goal or, or a disincentivizing option because if I'm successful enough to meet my baseline health, education, maintenance, and support needs, the trust is required to give me money. Well, most creators of wealth, A, don't want to incentivize lack of achievement. They typically like to reward it rather than penalize it. And so coming up with a plan to navigate that and, you know, create the asset protections. I mean, one of the things Jamie and I talk, my wife and I talk about all the time is my boys are 16 and 12. Like we want nothing more than to create a legacy and a generational wealth for them, but we don't want them to be able to do something stupid and at 25, 35 and 45 and lose what we've worked a lifetime to create. And so you know, creating our plan and talking about, you know, how we want it to work and who we want in charge and how we want to steward that is, is, you know, it's not always fun. But sometimes you got to eat your vegetables and, and knock out the block and tackle planning along the way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Mark, when you're having that conversation, right. Um, a lot of us, we make emotional, we, we have an, an emotional conversation and, how do how do you and I'm saying you particularly, how do you help people remove the emotion from that and come back to practicality? Because that's a really emotional conversation when when you're doing that type of planning and putting those those things in place. And it's it's not it may not be popular to put one person in charge as opposed to another person. And you have to take the emotion out and just come back to practicality. Well, I mean, and so two of my favorite sayings, I would say, are tenets of how we approach things. Um, number one goal should be pick good people, give them the ability to make good decisions. I love panels. Um, different people can have different perspectives on what a, what you know a creator of wealth would want. But if we have, you know, a wisdom of crowds approach where we have three people that we've picked that we trust that know us well, mathematically, they're going to reach the, the right, the best conclusion more often than not by putting their heads together and talking about it. Um, two is, you know, well, I'll say probably three points. Two is um, sunlight is the greatest disinfectant like talking about it and being open and honest rather than hiding away from it and, and avoiding uncomfortable conversations is by far and away the best approach to planning of any sort, whether it's business decisions, personal estate planning or whatever else. Um, opening communication of every relationship. What do you say, Daniel? I said getting married, all of those things. Sun is, exactly. the, sun is the best disinfectant. Like have the tough conversations, let's talk about what we want, let's talk about what it looks like, let's talk about what our needs are, and so on. I'm sorry, go ahead. And, 
Um, and then, you know, on top of that, you try to do it with lever levity and logic. I mean, it's, you know, like nobody gets out of this place alive. We're all going to pass away someday. Like we can leave it to state law defaults because we want to be emotionally avoided and miss the topics of conversation, or we can tackle it head on and let it be an empowering process to say, we're not going to, you know, settle for state law defaults for our family. We're going to demand better of our, um, the legacy that we're creating and design something that is robust and material, not flimsy and, and weak. Yeah. We had this, this stoked a conversation in our household with, with my children lately, where it was like, all right, well, if mom and dad pass, do you guys think everything should be split equally? Well, no. Well, why not? Well, because what if so-and-so is working harder than so-and-so? Do they get more of the, of the estate? Do they get more of the, of the money and of the inheritance? Or are we splitting equally? Or is there a hierarchy in it? What if someone has, well, this is one of the things Brett was talking about as well with me, is what, what if someone has drug problems? Does that mean they're out? Or are we going to pay for some of rehab exactly? And again, these are conversations that, these are questions that have never flowed through my brain and not something I would need to think about my 12 and my 10-year-old and my 5-year-old being drug addicts and whether or not they have access to all the stuff that I've built over my entire life. And how do we, how do we avoid giving them access at 18? Is it 35? Is it 30? Like, so you, you just create these mile markers and these questions. And I think one, one thing that you did really well, Mark, is give us the grace to say, hey, this is not set in stone. This is an intention and we're going to map this out today and we're going to revisit this every couple of years and see, do we need to say, change somebody on that panel that's a decision-making person? Do we need to a pivot based on what colleges we want them to go to? Or is a four-year college the same as a trade school? Like just all of these things, it doesn't, it's not set in stone and it's not here, set it and forget it forever. But this is a baseline to make a decision and then lean into it for a little bit and then start pivoting and and growing through that process. It's like I paid you to tee up one of my other favorite sayings. Um, <laughs> don't let great be the enemy of good. Um, as Daniel Dixon and I talked today, it is impossible for us to solve 50 years from now. The most mathematically likely situation is that we're sitting here three years today, five years from today, 10 years from today, looking back wistfully on all the things that we thought we knew that we didn't as young men, right? And so... Let's get a plan in place that works in the, you know, for five years, for 10 years, for three years, knowing that the most likely outcome is that we're going to get a chance to come together and revisit it and fine tune and, and improve going forward. And that is a state plan that is approach to balance sheet for asset preservation, tax minimization and everything else. You know, it is a it is a <clears throat> lifelong journey and um, and undertaking to do it as best we can. And so often clients let great be the enemy of good and just not start down the path because, because it's such a daunting process. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that one, that's one of those things where um, I believe that a lot of times it just comes from fear of loss you don't want to lose you don't want to lose things you don't want to lose assets so you don't want to lose control or you don't want to have a loss so either sometimes you don't do anything or you make your mind up to do something without wise counsel and it's not the best decision 
because you're operating from scarcity rather than abundance. And then you said something great, you know, seek progress. Basically, you said seek progress, not perfection. It's never going to be perfectly it's perfectly right. It's got to be better than what it was before you started. I might steal that line. Seek progress, not mm-hmm. perfection. Emmerich has a lot of a lot of great one-liners and quotes. And I don't know, Emmerich, give us another one. Do you have another one off the top of your head right now? Come on, I know it's there. You know what? Uh, and this is this is this falls right in line with this. You do the things today other people aren't willing to do, so you can do the things tomorrow other people can't do. That's for you, Daniel. I love that. Especially where we're at in the industry right now is a lot of people don't want to do what everyone else is unwilling to do right now. And it's important. And I'm saying, you got to say next year, they won't be able to do it because you're, you're so far, you're so far ahead of them. They can't even catch up. That's the goal, isn't it? Well, as we're, as we're wrapping this up, Mark, I mean, thanks listeners. Like I recommend you go listen to this episode two or three times because there's so much, there's so much in it. And what I did when I met with Mark and when I've met with um, a couple of my mentors, my wealth coach, some other folks, is I'd get concepts and then I'd go Google and research. What does this mean exactly? And then prompt a few more questions so I can get an understanding of, A, what the hell are they talking about? Because Mark's talking like this is easy stuff. Oh, yeah, we just do this and we do that. And we just put it over there. And I'm like, bro, none of this makes any sense to me, to be honest with you. Luckily, I trust you and I can get, get your advice on what we do exactly. But then going and understanding, oh, this is why we set the trust up that way. This is why we have a panel. This is why we have an executor. This is why we set the trust up this way with this person granting such. This is why my real estate business needs to be inside the trust now versus in five years from now as we make even more money and the valuation of of the company continues to grow. So re-listen, take notes, Google research. Obviously, I mean, I mean, I don't know all of it, and I'm certainly not an attorney, but I'm here to support and help and answer questions and make intros and do the things because this is where I know we talk a lot about mindset and a lot about generational wealth and what we're trying to achieve with this podcast, but this is truly one of the most important pieces of all of it. Because if this shit isn't done right, then it is all gonna go away from everything that we worked so hard to create over the years. And, and, you know, and just so Mark, just so that everybody's clear, this is not a plug for Mark. However, it is a plug for Mark. And and when we having these conversations, good advice doesn't cost you, it pays you. So don't worry. These, don't focus so much on how much it's going to cost you to get this information. Focus on what's the benefit of getting the information. So good advice doesn't cost you, it pays you. Time and time yeah, again, I'm sure you can, you can agree with that one, Daniel. It's like, if I had not, what is the cost? What's that? What's the lost opportunity cost? Well, and I'll what's say it? a difference. I think you guys both hit on it and how I would say it. You know, like to me, the most important thing and what I love about you, Daniel, is you're curious. Um, you know, so many, adv- you know, find advisors that are willing to answer your questions and have the conversations with you. So many advisors think it's better to, you know, um, you know, silo relationships and they want to just talk to you and make you go talk to their CPA because they don't want to disagree and feel that they don't own relationships. They, they want to use big words to show you how smart they are. Well, you know, like that doesn't, you know, if, if Daniel goes to the holiday party and says, Mark's the smartest guy I know, or my CPA is the smartest guy I know, and nobody knows what he's talking about, that doesn't make anybody look good. 
But when Daniel can go and say, well, you know, like I have some really thoughtful conversations with my guy and he's educating me and like, you know, giving me things to think about and look at, like that's where true, you know, change and growth mindset come from is the idea that, you know, we're learning and building upon it and not just, you know, not just putting things in because somebody used a bunch of big words and sent us a bill for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, now that we're getting, we're, we're wrapping up here, Mark, what are, let, let's go with two things that the listeners can do right now to start the process of, uh, process of, act, of uh, asset protection, estate planning. Like what, what do they need to leave this podcast? What's the first thing that they need to do? And then what's the follow-up on that to start building this process? They need to go create a um, exact personal financial statement is number one. I don't care about format, whether it's an SBA form, whether it's a piece of paper, but I want to know assets like how it's titled. Is it in an LLC? Is it in your individual name? Is it in spouse's name? Is it in joint name? What debt is associated with it? Everything else, Um, you know, a true picture of what they have and that they can share with every advisor on their team, coaches, CPAs, attorneys, financial advisors, insurance guys. Um, You know, that is the, the key opening door to have meaningful, thoughtful conversations about where they go next. Um, Number two is I think, you know, get your team around you. Um, That team almost typically starts with having a good CPA. And it's not just the H&R block guy preparing our tax returns, somebody who's thoughtfully engaging with us on our things. Um, It may, you know, from there, it can be attorney next. It can be financial advisor. It can be insurance guy. But building your, you know, build your tribe around you of your advisors who are um, looking out for you. And don't find the guy who does legal work, CPA, insurance, and just changes hats to sell you something different. Find people that are independent, that are, you know, that are um, taking care of you, not trying to sell you something. Cool. I think that I would add one more thing is make sure that your insurance is, A, have enough coverage in the different silos, and B, that we all have an umbrella policy that can encapsulate a lot of the risk through, you know, we talked about what if I don't get an accident, so we'll use my wife, for instance. What if she drives and she she hits somebody in a Bentley or a Ferrari or something crazy? Do we have enough protection inside of these policies, not just our typical collision policy, but then escalating that through an umbrella policy to absolve all of the risk and not allow it to leak out into these other things that we have. And I'll say like, it's a great tag onto that. I don't necessarily subscribe to this, but I think it's a good general rule. There is, um, there is a school of thought in the world that you get a two or $3 million umbrella policy. Cause there's never a lawyer who wouldn't take a $2 million check to walk away. I think that's probably true 80% of the time. But, um, you know, it's a good, it's a good rule of thumb as a starting point. Good stuff. Emmerich, any last words? No, my last word is um, make an appointment, uh, find, figure out where you, where you have to figure out where we are, find a trusted professional and schedule an appointment as soon as possible. Don't worry about, do you have things? Right. You don't worry about do you have things together. What you have to worry about is do you have a person who can trust to guide you in the best direction? Good advice doesn't cost you a page. Yeah, agreed. And Mark, I don't know what your capacity looks like, but 
Um, I'd love to get you more, more and more of our listeners and people inside of our community to help protect this and, and grow this. So if you guys are interested, just message me on social. I'll create an intro, connect with, with Mark's people and, and see if we can start the journey of protecting the things that we have. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this conversation, Mark. This was um, incredibly impactful. Um, I know you, you mean so much to me and my family and what we're doing and the questions I can bounce off of you and, and how you have these trusted advisors that really want to teach you and not just send you an invoice. And I appreciate that dearly. Um, appreciate our friendship. I appreciate that we look very similar. Definitely. I think we could be brothers, right? At least. Um, I'm the, definitely the older brother with the extra gray. <laughs> there you go. Um, I appreciate the conversation. Uh, this is this is super important. And I think for a lot of the listeners, your mortality is, can be your biggest problem. So think forward. Think 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road difficult for us young folks. Me and Emmerich have gotten in arguments about this because it's difficult for me to see 20, 30 years down the road. But if we plant the right seeds today and we do the right things today, it's going to make everything so much easier as we continue on this journey of success and growth and, and expansion. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And until thank next time, friends. Thank you, guys. This is fun. Appreciate thank you all. Thank, thank you, Mark. Thanks, Daniel. Follow the Color of Money podcast today and get notified when new episodes are released weekly. Be part of this transformative listening experience. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. The views, thoughts, and opinions of the guest represent those of the guest and not KWRI and its affiliates and should not be construed as financial, economic, legal, tax, or other advice. This podcast is provided without any warranty or guarantee of its accuracy, completeness, timeliness, or results from using the information. 